Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 287. Yeah. Another update episode. Yeah, we're bringing a back-to-back update episode. Was our last one an update? It was. It was. All right. Well, yeah, we're bringing back-to-back update episodes because uh, there's a lot going on, and uh, you know these are fun to talk about anyway. So I just thought there were some things we should talk about. Yeah, that's right. Instead of instead of waiting an extra week, and then you know uh, news becomes old news, and nobody wants old news. So uh, so yeah, Uh, what's going on with you? We're we're on the cutting edge. Uh, On me. So it's 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 interesting these times right now because. I got to tell you, so as far as eBay goes, eBay can't make up its mind. So what I mean is like, I'll have like, you know, you know, three or four, you know, almost thousand dollar days. Right. Or, or, you know, or, or more. Um, And when I combine, you know, with like my revenue from Amazon and all that. And then like one sale. I'm like, what? Like, what is what is what like I, i'm i'm not i'm not understanding like what what causes ebay to look like a like a like i'm doing crypto or something or like i have a peak and then i have like these down days and like like you would think it'd be consistent right i mean it, it's got to be like anything though like we talk a lot about okay when you have when you only have 30 items in your store you can't expect consistent yeah, I know, sales. I know, like I know. once you get a thousand, three thousand. Okay. When you have three thousand and fifty, you can't expect it to be consistent. But but that's the point <laughs> I'm trying to make though. Is like we look at that and it's like, wow, that's a lot. But if you think of three thousand and fifty random items, right? Like yeah. you're talking a coffee pot, a hat, a Star mm-hmm. Wars thing. So you're still only looking at of all the people on eBay going after those things when there are literally millions of things on eBay. So when you think of a store and we always use the comparison, like if you walked into a grocery store and it only had like, you know, just milk or just whatever, if that's not what you're looking for, you walk back out. Whereas if you walk into a store like Walmart, that's literally got thousands and thousands of items. Well, the size comparison of, of I think 3000 sounds like a lot. And I think you do have consistency in a sense of you're getting regular sales, but it's just going to be somewhat random. If you, I bet you, if you had 30,000, your numbers would be a little bit more. Even if you had 300,000, you'd be able to see exact trends. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. so I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily eBay. I know it could feel like that if it's like, man, I had a week where I was getting a lot of good sales and then a week where it was like maybe one a day or I went a day without a sell. Like yeah. it might seem like super inconsistent, but the sample size is actually still kind of small. Yeah. I'm just in this interesting phase right now because I actually, my 90 day total, which I don't share the whole number, but my 90 day total, as I went up over 3000, <laughs> my 90 day total went down 3000, which I, I didn't understand. Like, I, I'm like, wait a second. You know, you always hear like the more you list, the more you sell. Now, I think there's truth to that and I think it's valid. So maybe one is maybe I'm just listing junk. Could be. Right. Maybe. Or you had a big spike of items like 93 days ago. You know what I mean? Like if you had, if, yeah, if like yeah. you had two or three really big, like, man, that was like a $2,000. Yeah, no, day. you're right. You're right. 93 days ago. Then that drops off. There's part of me. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. tough to say exactly until you, until you have like a lot more data to look at, you're not going to know for sure. Yeah. There's a part of me that feels like there's ever validation of the matrix. It's like eBay in the sense that like, I always make consistently the same. Right. It hasn't, it's, it's fluctuated. Like it fluctuates in Q4 and it fluctuated in January. And, but it just, it just ends up being, you know, I always end up making just enough to pay my bills and enjoy life a little bit. You know, it's never been this, 
uh, you know, skyrocketing like, oh, I just threw in 300 listings and now like, oh, man. And again, people do it all the time. So it is doable. Right. Unless people on social media are lying. You know, I, I think I the people I, I've watched, I think it's consistent. Uh, at the same time, it's interesting because I think a scavenger life, you, you know, they're the OGs of podcasts for reselling. And they would have, I remember at one point they got to like five to 8,000 uh, like listings, but their sales did not go up exponentially. Like it did not. And they even had sales that were the same when they had two to 3,000 items as when they had five to 8,000 items. So I think part of it is, you know, what do you source? What are you sourcing? Are, are you trying to source the same old, same old? Are you not checking trends? Obviously, I don't blame uh, eBay completely on it. I do think the algorithm plays a role. It's just we don't know what the algorithm is, right? We don't know what, you know, here's what's weird. So I had talked about uh, on Instagram how Mephizo, remember Mephizo, remember that brand of shoes? Uh, that was like fire brand, right? And I just, I noticed after a while I kept sourcing them. And these just weren't selling. Like I used to be able to pick up a pair of Mephisto shoes for five to ten dollars, and it would sell on eBay for like close to a hundred. And lately, I have not had a Mephisto sale in like three months. Then out of the blue, out of the blue, I get one pair that sells for a hundred and seventy dollars. I get another pair that sells for fifty dollars. Like right, like right after another, and I'm like, what? Like why? Like the like what what happened was it on a commercial a tv show i i don't know like it's weird i'm sure let us know in the comments have you ever had i i I know this happens all the time for me when let's say i get a big uh haul of alan edmund shoes and i list alan edmund alan edmund alan edmund my older alan edmund shoes begin to sell and i can't explain it but that's just how it works so let us know have you had the mysterious sales as a result of the algorithm because I do think it happens. So anyways, all right. So outside of that, you know, I've been sourcing on eBay a lot. Uh, and I will tell you, it's not as fun as going to garage sales. Just not. Like I've had some scores. I had some scores where, you know, I picked up like a hundred something of an item on eBay. And I've already sold five of them. And I'm, I'm already breaking even on how much I spend. Right. So I see that as a score. Okay. Um, I did go sourcing in uh, Oklahoma. I, I went on a little trip. And I thought I was going to be able to pay for my vacation. Usually I go on these trips. I go to a thrift store and usually that thrift store pays for everything. I got to tell you, these thrift store prices, man, they're everywhere. Now we will talk about thrift stores uh, later on. We got a great email from one of our, uh, our loyal uh, listeners and, 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 you know, I I do, I've met this person in in person. So I do trust uh, what they say. Uh, So I think they have a lot to say about uh, thrift stores and the direction we're headed in. But Man, they were selling like just regular shirts for like seven ninety nine. Oh, wow. The only good shoes that they had, they had like a deal going. It's like you can pay retail and get the second one for a half price. So it's like shoes that you could resell for like seventy were selling for fifty. Nice. And this was in the middle of nowhere, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Was it a? But was it like a, a chain thrift store? Yeah, it was, Salva- like, it was Salvation Army. I feel like the key is is you got to get out of the chains. Like the once you start leaving the chain stores. That's where that's where the uh, the deals really are. When you go into the hole in the wall stores, the stores that aren't part of a chain, that's where that's where you're gonna. Yeah, get the or the stores that have mass volume, yeah. right? Because there are some stores we know that have mass volume, right. and they don't care about pricing things lower because they're selling so. But again, it's they're like not ridiculous. A chain, you know, well, they are the one where we we know is a chain. 
but not like the big nation. No, no, they're not, not. No, they're not like the right. store that shall not be named or Salvation Army. So, anyways, that was a little discouraging because I was hoping to get some good finds. I even put together an Instagram story, and then I just didn't post it because I'm like, eh. Well, why am I going to waste people's time and just tell them how, you know, their store prices are going up? And maybe I should have. Maybe I should have posted it. I just wasn't up to it. And the last thing, and then I'll shut up. Um, what not? I got to tell you, I'm going to give it another try. If you're tuning in right now and it's not 8 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on this Wednesday when this drops, you can still make the auction. Thank you to all of you that made the last one. Really appreciate it. I know some of you just bought to support PHP. It wasn't because you actually were like, oh, this is an incredible hat. We had one guy that bought the Star Trek hat. And I was like, man, like I really likes the Star Trek hats. Yeah, I, I think that guy just wanted to see how Whatnot worked. And of all the apps, uh, that was the one uh, hat he was willing to buy. Okay, so, so I'm like, okay, so it was Mike. Okay, yeah, now, that hat. now tell me the experience. How was it as a buyer? So it was really interesting because um, I, I don't know if you noticed in the comments while you're doing the Whatnot. And if you're uh, not familiar with it. Basically, it's a live auction uh, program. It's actually really clever. I like the concept of it. I think it's just weird though because it's got very specific niche followings. Like even when you're like on the big auctions and there's only like 40 to 50 people there, it's like, okay, this really isn't huge. It's not as big as I was expecting it to be, uh, but it's kind of neat because you you can quickly go through things. It's like, here, this is the item I'm selling. Here it is. And then uh, people can bid on it. And uh, it's a short auction. As it gets toward the end, it can add time depending on how you have it set up. Uh, so I, I see the Star Trek hat and I'm like, oh, that'd be a cool one to buy. But I hadn't put in like, you actually have to put in the information for your pay payment first. Mm. So I couldn't bid on it until like I went in and you know something, verified you my... Mean something that eBay should be doing? Yeah. And that's one nice thing about it is is when I paid for it, like it's it's automatic. Like yeah. you got paid for it. It actually tells you on the message of the auction, like so-and-so has paid. Nice. Yeah, I don't so, know if you see that, but I saw that. No, I didn't see that um, part of it. But so one bummer thing is like, okay, how many of our listeners who jumped on and might have been willing to buy something the first couple of auctions? And I noticed there were a few people saying, go back to this, go back mm -hmm, to this. Mm -hmm. It could have been because they're like, all right, I'm ready to bid on this. And they just assume like, if I win, then I put ah, in my information. I see what you're saying. But they couldn't. Like if you went to, to bid on it, it's like, you need to put in your information first, which actually once you start putting in your information, takes you completely out of the auction. So like you're missing things until you've got all your information in, you're back in. Uh, but it was it was a, a pretty smooth process for me. I got it fast. It shipped quickly. Right? Well, yeah, so I, sh I shipped the next shipped day. Next day. Um, so. But but yeah, I mean, so it was it was fine as a buyer experience. I wanted to kind of see how it worked as the buyer experience. But I was interested on on the whatnot app in general. Man, it seems like the wild west. Like I'm watching mm -hmm. so many yeah. of these, especially like the cards, because I was kind of interested in on like okay, Magic the Gathering cards, Pokemon cards. I don't really know enough about sports cards and stuff like that. And Funko is not my thing. Uh, but man, like I'm seeing things. I'm like, this is almost gambling. Like there's like <laughs> tournaments and games. And like part of their thing is says it can't be gambling, but like you're basically entering in, in some of them like, like raffles that are like, you can enter, you pay X amount and then I'm going to pull cards or like, I'm going to open up boosters until you get to a certain type of card and then you're done. But you get to keep all the rares up until that point. And so you might only get two packs open. You might get 30 packs open. And so I'm wondering like, Okay, who did the math? Because in order to be profitable with this, you've got to sit down and do the math of how can I make sure over time I'm actually winning on these, that, that people are paying more per booster pack, buying them through this like 50 bucks or 25 bucks or however much it costs to like do this opening game that they're playing. So I'm like, man, this is like a, I don't know how it's all going to shake out, but people are going to come up with clever ways to make money on this. I saw some people doing like DVDs and the way they were doing it is they would just, they have like 20 DVDs up and it was like two for a dollar and people could like bid on it 
And so if you won the bid, which most of them are two for $2. So if you won, then you just typed in the chat, which two you wanted. And they wrote it down on the little screen. Like, all right, you're getting these two. And then they might throw a couple more DVDs. All right, next auction. And I'm like, man, like people are, it's interesting. Like there's not like one way of doing the no, whatnot no. app. Like I felt I did it the very formal way. And again, I, I love how we're doing free advertising for whatnot. You should sponsor us, whatnot. Uh, but maybe you don't need to because we're doing this right now. Well, and part of what I'm saying is I'm not sure yet whether it's like a place we would necessarily well, that, sell that's, or buy on. That's and that's where I'm at. It's funny. Somebody had I I wonder. I think it was Rack Resellers or somebody uh, had messaged me and was like, uh, "This might be the last and only auction for Orlando Rip." Right, right. Rest in peace. Because yeah, I I knew that the stuff I was I was selling out. I did sell. One hat that sold for like 44 bucks. It was a vintage new era, new with tags. You know, Super Sonics, one of our uh, awesome listeners, Melissa, purchased it. Uh, but, you know, I would have gotten more on eBay, but it had been sitting on eBay for a little bit, you know? Uh, a lot of the other hats had been sitting for a while, right? And so I, I there's a couple uh, conclusions I have from the OneNot app, and I'll share more when I, we do another update episode after I do this auction, or maybe I do it two more times. Uh, but, uh, Here's what I, here's what I've gleaned from all this. One is initially, like any platform, there's a lot of upfront work. Like it, it was just you know from the sourcing of what I was gonna list, and then uh, it depends how you do it. Like you said, you can do it whichever way. I decided to take pictures and label each one of my items because when you print the labels, it'll give it the title of whatever uh, the item was on the invoice, and so you know what label you're printing. Right. And I, I, I'm notorious for putting the wrong item in the wrong box when I ship stuff out. So not notorious, like not like I do it a lot, but it's happened. And I just didn't want that to happen, especially my first go around. Uh, the other thing is I was um, and I apologize for whoever it was. I'm just going to be real. There was a hat that was new with tags. And in my eBay pictures, I show that there's like a little stain on it. While, shooting, while I was showing the video, I couldn't see the stain because of the lighting. So I didn't even mention it. So I'm hoping that all went well. Like, I wasn't trying to be shady about it. I just didn't notice. Uh, the other thing is, I do I do find two things here. The other thing, which I find two, is one is... It's definitely a place that you can find things for cheap. I Maybe. Do. Maybe, like, if you're in the right the right auctions at the right times. No, I've been to a lot of them and it's like, they're selling shirts that you can flip for like 30, 40 for like five bucks, three bucks, mm -hmm. sometimes $1. It depends like how many people are in that room, you know? Uh, and then the other thing is you got to be careful is that I find that large resellers do this a lot is that they offload their unwanted inventory on new resellers who don't know enough. And they're thinking they're getting a deal. And the experienced reseller goes, nah, I'm just offloading stuff that has been sitting forever in my store. No. You know? And, and but that's how business goes, right? It's all a knowledge game. So, anyways, that's that's my my update. So check out check me, check me out tonight, Pierce Podcast on uh, whatnot. If you haven't been following us there, follow us there on uh, whatnot. We are Pierce the Podcast. And uh maybe Mike and I will do a combo one eventually here. Uh, but uh, Mike, what's going on with you? Uh man, it felt so good to actually go sourcing again. So I didn't know how I wanted to do sourcing. Um, I was looking up garage sales and, and typically I look for like community garage sales, neighborhood garage sales. And I didn't see any until Saturday morning. And then finally, like one came up of like 15 houses in a community, but I did see a rummage sale and it was advertised as the world's largest rummage. Oh, sale. wait, wait, wait. Was this in the city of E? Uh, I, I think so. Yeah. It's like in a warehouse. No. 
No, okay, no. it's not the same so one. So it's actually a church rummage sale. Okay, and um, I part of me was like, okay, the all the ads look very generic. So I'm like, all right, like maybe it's a good rummage sale. It didn't even say on there that it was a church rummage sale, except for it said that it's for kids to go to camp. So oh yeah, like, no, okay, no, it's not probably even the one I'm it, of. it's probably a church rummage sale. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go to this rummage sale so I can hopefully pick up something. I got to get my feet wet in this again, and if if I leave the rummage sale, I'll find some garage sales in the area afterwards. Well, I show up and I'm like pretty impressed because there's like I get there like 25 minutes early and there's already a pretty good line. Mm. Like there's already probably 70 people in front of me in the line. I'm like, man, okay, so this is a little bit bigger than I expected, but I only see what's on the outside. And it was at a church and they have in this church had like three separate buildings open plus an outside courtyard. And each of the buildings had at least one to two rooms. And the brooms are like, I'm talking like basketball size, like auditoriums wow. stuff. Like, so this was a pretty, and they had it all organized. So outside was like some sporting goods and that uh, furniture. Cool. Was One of the rooms was men's clothing. One room was women's clothing. They had a, a kitchen and bath. They had toys, toys and games as a whole room. And then they had electronics as a room. Mm. So I'm like, all right, sweet. Where am I going to go first? Right. I had to pay a dollar to get in. Uh, so I'm getting up there and paying my dollar. I get in. And I already see people like going crazy in the uh, the outdoor section. So I'm like, all right, this place is already saturated. So I'm going to go inside to one of these buildings, my clothing. Okay. That's, I could always wait and spend time looking through clothing. So I'm like toys and electronics. This sounds right up my alley. So I run into the electronic or the toys part first. Why? I don't know. But I'm just like, maybe there's going to be some good. Cause sometimes I do really good on like vintage toys, vintage. Mm-hmm. So I do a quick run through and I'm like, okay, there's a few things in here. And I pick up a couple of things and then I go into the electronics. All right. All right. This part is going to be the part that's totally swamped. And it wasn't bad. Like there was a handful of people in that room, but it wasn't like overrun yet. And so I'm looking and it's a lot of like broken monitors and random electronic stuff and books were in the back. And so I'm looking around at stuff and I'm like, okay. Then I see at the far end, three video cameras. And I'm not talking like little video cameras. I'm talking like big cameras. And I'm like, okay, this is a church. This is a big church. This is like, church camera equipment, which I know is really good because I've, I've helped churches with camera stuff. So I go over and I see their cannons. And the first thing I see on the lenses of these cameras is that there's a red, a red like stripe around. And I know the red on Canon means it's L glass. L glass lenses are like their top of the line lenses. They're worth a ton of money. So I'm thinking, okay, this is lenses for special cameras. They, they, they won't work on DSLRs, but it's L glass lenses. So they're going to be worth a lot of money. The lenses alone, whatever these cameras are worth, the lenses are going to be worth money. And I see the stickers on these are $55. I'm like, I know I can get more than $55 just off the lenses on these. Yeah. So I'm like starting to try and look them up and I'm seeing other people starting to like surround me. Oh, so no. they're on the table. So I grab all three and I put them on the ground and I like hunch over them. Right. Cause I'm like, I don't want anybody else trying to take these while I'm, and I swear, I kid you not, I had probably eight people standing around me. Are you going to get all three of those? Are you buying all three of those cameras? Hey, so are you just getting one of those cameras? Or are you getting all three of those cameras? I'm like, no, no, I'm getting all three. And I hadn't even looked them up yet. I'm like, I'm, I'm walking over and I'm paying right now. Yeah. So I just carried them all over. I actually, one of the kids who was working helped me carry them over. Uh, and I paid right then and there. And I'm like, all right, now I'm going to look them up because I already paid for them. But I, I'm literally so all three or 55 in total, 55 each. Oh, each. Okay, so okay. I paid 160 bucks or $165 okay. for, for all of them. Uh, which is, you know, like, okay, I paid up on these kind of, I mean, still $55 camera is not bad. Uh, but I'm like, worst case scenario, the lenses. So then I'm looking them up and all of them that are currently listed are listed for over a thousand dollars. 
Oh. And the ones who have sold That's recently, crazy. and there's like several that have sold recently, have sold for about 600 bucks. Okay. So I'm like, on the low end, I should be able to get five to $600 for these. Yeah. Now, the only That's bummer is cool. they don't have batteries. I got to buy a battery for, at least buy battery for one of them so I can test them out. But I'm going to, there's no way I don't at least break even, even if they're all junk, which they're not. I could tell they're, they're pretty good condition. And they had tons of other equipment there too, like audio and video equipment. So what I gathered, because I paid for them, I took them out to my car, I came back in and I started talking to some people. They had bought new equipment and so they were getting rid of some of their old equipment. Okay. And yeah, I mean, just to think though, I paid $165 for these. Uh, it's, they're going to cost a little bit to ship because they're they're bigger. I'm going to have to pay, you know, the fees on eBay. I'm going to have to pay for a battery to test them. But I'm thinking I'm going to walk away with minimum $1,000 net. Wow. Anywhere from $1,000 to $1,500 net That's on insane. these. And so just to think like one stop. I, I, yeah. I After I got those, I'm like looking around at other stuff. And even if I'm like, oh, it's, you know, not, I was like, I'm just going home. Like, this is like, this is yeah. like the cell. I don't want this stuff sitting in my car for too long with people walking around, especially because everybody, I had people, I was in the men's clothes section and I had a guy walk up to me and go, man, you got a killer deal on those cameras. And I'm like, all right, I think it's time it's for time me to, to leave. Out. Yeah. It's time <laughs> for me to go now at this point. Um, but then like one other thing that I thought was kind of funny there. So I see they've got GameCube games, right? So mm -hmm. I'm looking through the GameCube games. And I'm like looking up a couple of them. I'm like, I have right, not seen sell. GameCube games at a garage sale or anywhere in a long time. So I'm like, oh, they sell for 10 bucks. This one sells for eight bucks. This one sells for 15. And then I see Mario Kart like deluxe dash or something like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. And this one sells for like 90 bucks. And I'm like, yes. And I opened it up and it was the only one that was empty. I was like, are you kidding me? So then I'm like, well, somebody stole from a church rummage sale. Or they, that was just the only one that wasn't turned in. And then, so then I start looking at the discs of all of the other ones. Cause there's probably like 15, 15 cases. All of the discs were like scratched beyond belief. Mm. And I'm like, well, what a waste. I'm like, all right. So I could spend a whole bunch more time here, like getting my hopes up on stuff. Or I could just go home with my three cameras and just like bask in the glory of, <laughs> of, uh, of my victory. And then I was telling my wife, cause we were looking at some houses in Texas to buy that were like, you know, 150 grand, which is crazy that you can get houses for that cheap mm. coming from California. And I'm like, man, I just need to have like, you know, 150 more of these days. And then we could just buy a house with there cash, you, go. you know, there you go. but, uh, man, it was, it was really neat to be able to have like my first day back sourcing in a little while. Um, since the whole, you know, I'm selling our RV and that to be such a big win to me, that was like, man, this is, this is great. Now I need to get some stuff listed and, uh, and, and really start moving forward again. So that's kind of like a hustle of the week in a way, but it's just nice to be, cause you know what it's like when you haven't gone out in a while and then you go out and it's just crickets. Yeah, no, that's I the know worst. It. I know. It. But when you go out and it's like a big score, it's like, yes. Okay. Worth it. That's, this is why I resell. Nice. Well, it'll be hustle the week when they sell, right? That's it'll right. be an update. So, all right. Hey, before we get into our random stories, just want to say thank you to all of you that have signed up onto our Patreon. Again, that's patreon.com slash pure hustle podcast. Uh, really helps us out, you know, especially in those times that, you know, we have to record and we can't be sourcing or listing or reselling and it does cost money uh, whenever we record a podcast. And so, you know, our YouTube revenue isn't where <laughs> large creators are at, but uh, when you do the Patreon, it definitely helps us, you know, get the right audio equipment, helps us pay for our, even our server fees for the podcast. So we are grateful for you. Now, on top of that, right, Mike has something, we have something new that we already started. Yeah. So we finally got our, our discord going and uh, it, it's, it's, it's really neat because this is, this is fresh. This is like, we're all trying to figure out how this is going to work. And uh, it's really cool to see that the community's already starting to like, 
pick up. We're already starting to get into a rhythm here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the kind of the idea of it is if you're a Patreon supporter, this is just a place for you to connect with other resellers that are supporters of PS Podcast, connect with us, uh, where we can talk about, you know, big hustles we found, maybe some bolos, uh, maybe some stories, ask questions like, hey, how would somebody, how would you ship this, right? Then you just got that instant access. If you're only following people on Instagram and you need help with shipping something and you're just hoping like, hey, maybe I can ask this influencer and then they'll get back. To, who knows how long it's going to be if you get a response at all. Whereas this community is like a good place for people to share those things or even just like frustrations like, hey, I'm feeling lonely as a as a, as a a reseller. Like, what do you guys do to like get through this or that? And it's just a place for us to connect. Uh, so none of our content is behind a paywall. This isn't a cook group. Like we're not promising if you sign up for our discord, uh, we're going to tell you the top five things to buy at Target this week in order to you know become a millionaire. Well, we do share extra bolos and right. a week that we don't talk about on the podcast or share on the social media. Yeah. And, and it's not just us doing it. It's it's us plus the community. We I mean, there's some people who posted things that I'm like, holy cow, I would have never thought to look for that. I'm going to be looking for that now. So it's definitely a cool group, but it's not like we're not saying, hey, pay for this and, and you're going to be a millionaire. It's just a community. It's a community of those who are supporting us. And uh, and and I like to see it. it's already starting to flourish and it's only going to grow better. Uh, so if you're currently on the Discord right now, um, you, you're you going to get out of it what you put into it, right? And so the more you're on there, the more questions you ask, the more comments you put, the more bolos, you, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So if you don't want to put anything into it, no problem. Thank you for your support. We appreciate it. Uh, but we'd love to see this community grow. And if you're interested in being part of that, uh, feel free to join up. Some of you have asked if you did the buy me a coffee. Um, yes, part of the hard part is on the buy me a coffee. It can be difficult for us to like email and connect with you. We can see if you paid for it, but we don't necessarily have all of your your information now since we're not on buy me a coffee anymore. So if you paid for a year buy me a coffee, you can have access. Say if you got three more months of that year left, um, just send us an email. Uh, shoot us an email and we will we'll get you that discord uh, login for that time frame yeah we want to make it happen yeah. we want to honor you know the fact that you chose to support us for the year and we want to make good on that honor so again uh to you know take part in the in the beta phase of the discord again you can go to our patreon pierce podcast uh doc not pure patreon.com slash pure podcast and you will find us there and actually while you're talking i was communicating with some people on the discord so nice so it, it's great. I, I got to tell you, I, I do believe, you know, you guys have seen us on social media. I believe we'll probably be more active on Discord just because the interface is different. I feel that we could actually be more of ourselves. I, I know part of the social media thing is like, you know, you just got to, you know, we could sh- we could share stuff that we know isn't going to go to thousands of people. It'll maybe go to hundreds. And if we get to thousands, it is what it is. It'll stay in the Discord, you know. So I, I like keeping it that way. Um it's just it's just a different vibe, you yeah. know. So, thank you to all of you that support us. All right. So, I, I got the story that's kind of tied into what I was going to discuss. So, remember I had listed all those camcorders. I told you like I didn't want to, and mm-hmm. I spent like two hours. Well, one of them sold, and so you know it was worth my whatever two hours. Uh, but here's the interesting thing. It didn't hit me, and I don't know why. But the reason people buy used camcorders that don't always sell is because they play back tapes on them. Right. If you have high eight tapes or you have mini DV tapes, right, you kind of want to record them. And there are companies now where you can like ship those to a company and they'll put them all on, you know, DVDs or on a cloud. Uh, But some people like to do that themselves. Maybe they have stuff they don't want out there shared. Right. And so I've been very big on like, I'm just going to list it and I'm going to be very clear about what I know and what I don't know about this camera. So I had a high camera. Uh, that I sold and I swore I thought this was going to be a rental. I thought the person was just going to, you know, you know, buy it from me, do what they needed to do and return it. 
right? And to get what they wanted. So this person messaged me and said, hey, listen, I see you have a return policy. I know that you say that the audio doesn't work on there. Do you mean the audio when you record it or do you mean the audio when you play it back? And I said, honestly, I don't know. I try to record and I recorded, but I couldn't hear what I what I played back. And so I, I don't know if it's not picking up audio or if it's not playing back audio. And he's like, all right. Well, he's like, are you OK if, if I buy it? And then if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll return it. And automatically I'm like, OK, you know, that's what's going to happen. And lo and behold, that's not what happened. So this ties into my other part of my my random stories. What I like is the idea that. You know how eBay had these longer reviews? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like before it was like, you can only do one not line and now you can do like paragraphs, I guess. Right. And so I'm digging the paragraphs because I'm finding that they're really, really, really helping. And so what I mean is I have had, if you know, those of you have been able to find my store, if you go to my feedback, like some of this feedback has been like insane and super long and helpful. Right. So with the camcorder one (laughs) said, Seller was very transparent about the condition of the item, including ambiguity in some of its shortcomings. Seller agreed to accept the return if the item did not function the way I needed it to. But sure enough, the failed element did not affect how I used it. Item was also safely packaged and arrived several days before promised. Easily a model eBayer would gladly do business again. Nice. That's so much better than just A++++++ (laughs) seller. I know. And so two things. I, I think there's a lot of mistrust with eBay buyers. And I've always said I 99% of eBay buyers are phenomenal. Like there's, it's always the 1% that ruins it for everyone, but that's most things in life. But you know, I think a couple of things I've always said, like consider if you're not accepting returns, accept returns, it provides buyer confidence, right? Yeah. Well, you get the person that rents stuff, right? That, you know, rents a certain uh, pair of shoes for like a wedding. They rent a pair of solder for Gamo tuxedo shoes. They use it for the wedding, they return it, and you're kind of like stuck, right? But if you're a top-rated seller and you notice that the soles are more worn than when you first shipped them out, you could do a partial refund, right? The other part is it's okay to be ambiguous in your description. I know Mike and I go back and forth. Like Mike doesn't like it that I say gently used or used but not abused or cosmetic wear throughout. But on this one, I had to be real. Like just audio isn't working. I can't tell you how or what. And I wasn't going to spend the time, you know, Checking the RCA jacks, checking, you know, you know, going into the mic and seeing if the mic was actually connected to the camcorder. I'm not going to spend all that time. And it's still sold for good money. I paid, I think, like five bucks for the camcorder and it sold for 87 plus shipping. Right. And now the person's going to keep it. Now, I'm grateful for that. Now, the other reviews, this has been so helpful for me uh, for Hot Wheels. This individual said, Hot Wheel dealers are the best. Everybody that I have bought from this past has been wonderful. Incredible description, packaging, great service from all of you. Thank you for holding such a wonderful standard. And so I do believe that I've had a lot of Hot Wheel sales, not just because of the stuff is being awesome, but just because, you know, people or collectors are looking at their reviews like, does this person pack it right? Do they ship it on time? And, uh, you know, I'm going to 180. I, I initially was like all about like, this is stupid. Why is eBay doing this? And now I'm like, I like this. I like this. Now, I do wish eBay would allow us to give buyers negative feedback. I do. Have you heard of people giving negative solid feedback? Negative positive feedback? Negative positive Yeah, feedback? so they'll give like the person like five stars, but then they'll be like a negative comment. Yeah. I don't know. Have you guys tried that? I'm wondering if you do that, will eBay remove it? I just wonder. 
Like I, I, I've heard people talk about it like on TikTok and stuff, but I just haven't seen, I myself haven't seen anybody's feedback. I don't know if that, I mean, I think people for the most part are looking at the total number. Maybe you read a couple reviews, but those reviews are going to be buried. Right? I'm not looking like 30 reviews deep in somebody. So if somebody's did one of those negative positives where they give you positive review, but a negative comment, like this person's awful. Don't ever buy from them. Their items are packed terribly just so that it stays on there and you can't just get it removed easily. Um, after a couple sales, it's going to drop down in your reviews and I can't imagine it's going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt you in the algorithm and who's going to see it? Like who's going to see it? Now, a quick tip, I will say, you know how you sell similar all the time. If it's an item that is like pretty pricey or whatever, I'll check the feedback that person gets and I'll make sure like if they have a negative, if they have too many of them, I might not use that sale somewhere, right? Because there might be something wrong with the description. And I, I specifically check if the item that they sold for good money is the one that they got the negative feedback, mm. right? Because if it is, then I'm like, ah, okay. that's a lot of extra steps. Well, yeah, but like I said, for high price, items, high price items, high price items, the ones that you really don't know what they are, you know? Yeah. Okay. So anyways, uh, that's, that's my random stories. How nice. about you? Uh, so it was spring break last week was spring break for my, my school. So my wife and I decided to do a vacation. It was like the first time in over a year uh, that we didn't have the kids with us. So we went two days to Big Bear, which is like a mountain town, not too far from us. Uh, and man, so we went sourcing up there. So this is reselling related, but uh, as we're driving up there, we expected some snow. We bought chains for the tires just in case. I have never experienced the craziness of the drive up that I experienced. Like it was just insane. So because I went sourcing up there, like I'm going to count this as like the craziest, like travel to sourcing I've ever done. Uh, but as we're driving up this mountain, it's starting to snow a little bit. It's not too bad. We've got all wheel drive, not the end of the world. You know how, when you're driving on road, sometimes you see like watch for falling rocks, falling boulders. Yeah. And, and you're like, I've seen those signs since I was a little kid and maybe I've seen a couple of crumbs on the road. I've never yeah. seen like falling boulders. <laughs> like you know? kind of like the old Roadrunner cartoon. Yeah, like. I've never seen that. So I'm like, whatever. And if maybe depending on where you live, like that might be more common. But I'm like, I've always just assumed like that's one of those like, yeah, they put that there because maybe it, it could happen. It was intense. As we're driving up this mountain, there are it started with like, okay, those are like golf ball sized rocks throughout the whole road. Like there's definitely some rocks falling off this mountain So by the time we get near the top, I'm talking beach ball size rocks what? across three lanes. Cause it's like, well, it's actually like two lanes, but like at places there's a passing lane. So it's like three yeah. lanes of road. Luckily I'm the furthest away from the mountain, but like the rocks are falling down the mountain and rolling that far into the road that like I'm swerving the whole way going up to miss all these big boulders in the road there was several cars who had hit them and had had to pull over or had Ooh. been hit by rocks. And one like, uh, like nice SUV was flipped completely over. It was on what? the other side of the road. It must've like, like swerved. It was like the whole way up there. Like I'm just tense. Right. Like, so anyways, I just say that all of that story because, uh, we did go sourcing water up there and it was really nice. Cause we went to some like nice dinners. We don't do that very often. I mean, we go to dinners, but, but not it's like reselling because the reselling. Right. Right. So, uh, we, we were like, Let's go have a nice dinner. It's a it's our vacation. So like one of the places where you go where it's like, you know, 70 bucks for like a plate, you know, and you're like, yeah. this is a little intense, but you know, why not? Let's go crazy. So we did. And then we're on our last day there. We're like, all right, let's just stop at a thrift store here. And it's kind of cool because it's a small mountain town. And so, of course, they've got skiing stuff. They've got 
more mountainy stuff. So we're like, maybe we'll find some Patagonia, some North Face. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, like we only spent like five, maybe, okay, five is too short. Maybe 15 minutes in this thrift store. The prices were really good. We were ready to get home. So we didn't spend a lot of time, but we picked up enough pairs of like boots and jackets for such a cheap price awesome. that like our meals are paid for. You know what I mean? Like to yeah. think like we just had like a uh, $180 dinner and yeah, that paid for it in like five minutes of looking in this section of the thrift store. Nice. And then, oh, we went out to like a pretty expensive lunch and that's paid for. So it just goes to show that like you can, not that like I would always spend money like that, but when you can do it, if we wouldn't have made anything reselling, we still would have enjoyed a nice meal. But to think like we can enjoy that nice meal and then do a few minutes of reselling and it's mm-hmm. like it it evens out. Like that's it's so much nicer just, just to know that like you're not you're not always pinching for pennies. You're not always like so stressed out, which is why we started reselling in the first place. So uh, kind of cool and kind of a crazy going up the mountain story. Uh, so if I'm ever like telling like the most intense sourcing travel is like, man, have you ever had boulders falling in front of your car? I have. That's how bad I I wanted to source. That's the kind of treasure hunter I am. No joke. I will adventure. Yay, but it was fun. The, the oh man. So it's so crazy how we both had different experiences, right? I wasn't able to get anything. Actually, we don't have time to talk about on the podcast, but Expedia didn't set up my hotel reservation. So they actually were trying to get me to sleep in my car for the night. Hmm. They're like, oh, we'll just refund you. I'm like, oh, so I can sleep in my car? Like, what What are you? Anyways, that's a whole other conversation. Do you want to hear the story about Orlando almost sleeping in his car for the night? Let us let us know in the comments because it's a long Maybe story. Tell the story in the Discord. No, I can't. the thing is, it's a it's a story. It's all recorded. I, I have my son's like posted on your YouTube, like the whole story. I'm like, this is not reseller related. He's like, yeah, but it'll go viral. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it'll go viral. So, all right. Hey, uh, before we move on to our reselling topics, want to talk about AmericanBubbleBoy.com, uh, one of our uh, uh, great sponsors. Uh, and um, we are working. I know some of you have commented that there's some issues with the promo code. Remember, it's for first time buyers, right? The Pure Podcast. And so if, if you already bought once, uh, I don't know how it's tracking it. Maybe you're trying to use a different email, but it's tracking the ISP. And so that's why you haven't been able to use it. I, I know we got some savvy folks out there that know how to do stuff like that. So I don't know what's going on, um, but uh, I do promise you I will be contacting uh, BubbleBoy.com uh, here uh, pretty soon and just trying to get that resolved because I've had a few, a few of you message me. But if you're brand new and you need bubble wrap, you know, four foot, 750 square feet for $39.99, free two-day shipping. Go to AmericanBubbleBoy.com in the link below. Use our promo code Pierce Podcast. Get a discount. Helps us out. Helps you out. And uh, just a great product. Yeah. So now, along with that, on social media, if you want to catch more of what we're doing, you can always follow us. We are Pierce Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, well, Twitter, we're Pierce Cast. On Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, we are Pierce Podcast. On Facebook, uh, we on Twitter, man, Twitter, we are Pierce Cast. Just find us. You can find us. You could also, everywhere. you know, you could jump on in the Discord by signing on to our Patreon. That's also great. Uh, and you could always shoot us an email. Actually, we have an email today that's going to be one of our reseller topics from one of our awesome listeners. You can always email us at PiercePodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 619-738-1170, 619-738-1170. If you're listening to the podcast for the first time, jump on over to YouTube. Uh, always looking to grow our YouTube. Hit that subscribe button, that bell notification. And everyone who's right now watching, smash that like button. 
And as always, uh, iTunes reviews help us out a lot. We're grateful for all of you that jump on there and just spend the time to talk about why you'd love the podcast, what you like about it, because I think it helps. I know it does. It helps other people that are kind of like, all right, there's a few reseller options out there. Which one do I really want to listen to? And uh, I have had some people DM me going like, I only listened to your podcast because I saw one of the reviews said you mentioned this or you talked about this. And yeah, I, I like you. I like yours because your podcast doesn't make me want to, you know, do bad things. So yeah, for lack of a better word. And so there we go. So anyways, uh, thank you for all the iTunes reviews. All right, are you ready for some reseller topics here? Yeah. If you're trying to get a PS5, things might be changing. Luxury brands are tapping into resale. And uh, we got some information about Goodwill. We'll be talking about that now. Orlando, take it away. All right. Hey, so this was, I did not think that this story was going to cause so much controversy on Instagram. But uh, so this came out of one of the Reddits and it's somebody had taken the Yahoo news page that was in Japanese and translated it. So basically what's happening is that Sony in Japan is ordering their retailers to break the PS5 seals in front of customers to curb, quote unquote, scalping. And so, you know, this led to a lot of things uh, in the comments. You know, people are like, it'll still sell well. It's not a big deal. There's no way that can happen in America. And and how dare, you know, Sony. So I don't know. What, what are your th- I want to know Mike's thoughts on this. So this is why I brought this on a reseller topics. I don't know. I don't know if I've, I, I would need to spend a little bit more time thinking about uh, all of the all of the nuances of okay. this issue. Uh, I, I understand from from like a from the optics you know the optics of of scalping like why it would make sense for a company to say this again we know that that companies they kind of enjoy it's my it's my belief that companies want to see their item as the item that's that's in low low stock but high demand and people are willing to be buying it and flipping it because then it's just tons of publicity that they didn't have to pay for like I mean, I don't watch a lot of commercials, but I almost saw no commercials about new consoles. But when you see every other mm-hmm. article and Instagram thing is like scalpers, this and PS fives are on low demand and new shipments are coming in. And when, when, when that is doing basically the advertising for your, that actually increases, you might've been like, I don't really care. I don't want a PS PS five. I don't play games that much. But when you're like, man, this console is that sought after and they're hard to get. Oh my gosh, there's one in this yeah, store. I should yeah. buy it. You know, it, it, it creates it creates demand just because you've you've created this sense of scarcity. So I think companies enjoy this. I mean, there are chip shortages and stuff. So this this is not necessarily an example of they could just make more because a lot of times that is the case. A lot of times it's like, are we really like when you walk into a Target and you don't see any Pokemon cards or any cards? It's like, oh, they they you know it's just because the scalpers. And it's like they could print. They could it costs them pennies to create a pack. Like they can print as many as they want. Like they want the scarcity. Yeah, so they lose value. They, they, I mean, they, they lose value, but it's again, it's like a fake value. You know what I mean? Like it's because of this, this seeming scarcity. So part of me understands the optics of it is if they can be seen as a company combating this, we want to make sure that our customers get the items that they need. Uh, that That looks good for the company, but they still get the benefit of, people quote unquote scalping so like they get the win-win right they get the win publicity but then they also still get the publicity of this item is in hot demand and people are buying it so i understand that i agree with people's arguments that you're still going to be able to sell these 
Uh, if the seal has been broken, you're probably not going to be able to flip them on Amazon, but locally and on eBay, most people who are buying these types of items on these platforms, they know that it was somebody who picked up five of them at a yeah. And at a somebody store. Had mentioned if there's a re- if they have the receipt, then you're good to go. Yeah, right. You just match up the two. So I mean, I think I, I get that. It it kind of it's the same way of like you know stores that like cut the tops off of their shoes shoe boxes. You know, yeah. it's like they're preventing you from selling on Amazon. Can you still sell them on eBay? Absolutely. They're just kind of preventing like one element of that. Uh, so I understand that. It's not, I don't know if it's the end of the world, uh, but uh, yeah. I love the innovation though. Somebody had said, well, we'll just, somebody's going to start reselling the seals, <laughs> which is true. Like it's true because again, I've, I've said this before. There are certain, I mean, now you're getting into black market stuff though. Yeah, but you can't, it's not wrong to sell a seal, right? Because I do know people that sell seals for like certain products, right? Or they buy the seals to make their items new, right? And, uh, you know, I'm not, you land where you land. I I won't do it myself, but I use, the thing is people post on this on social media. That's why I know about it, Hmm. right? So there's always a market for some way to work around the system, but do I think this is going to happen in America? I don't know. I mean, it's their product. They can do what they want. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I just don't like, you're right. For me, it's, I, I still want a PS five for my son. He's been asking me for two years. I refuse to pay uh reselling money for it, uh, which I, I could have, but it's just a principle for me. Like, I just, I don't want yeah. to, to me, it's like no different than them saying like limit one per customer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so for me, it's like, I always, I always feel like I'm going to buy from a scammer if I ever buy one. Right. And so I don't, but it's the same thing. Like it was to say that a scammer doesn't put a bunch of sand in a are box. Are they still that cool. like people are still trying to get them yes. and get them? Yeah. What's it? Is it the chip shortage? Like what? I mean, let me, let us know in the comment. I mean, maybe Orlando knows more, but like I understood like for a while there, it was like, Oh, you can't get a Nintendo switch because COVID happened and everybody was at home and everybody wanted to get a gaming console for their kid. And so they were just like out of stock. Like it was like a freak thing, but like we're going on, I feel like a couple years now or over a year of like, ps fives being like sought after like how have they not gotten their stuff together and gotten more of a made yeah i know i mean i'm going on ebay right now they're selling for over 700 bucks a piece though wow i mean not like the thousand dollar it is weird though because it sounds like so much but then like people have no problem spending like a thousand dollars for an iphone yeah but with the iphone like i saw a report that like 80 percent of people that own iphones haven't paid for their iphones like because they do the installment plan through the cell phone company yeah, but you're gonna pay for it over the course of three years. True, you, but you, you could do the same thing with the PS PS Five by buying it on a credit card and paying it over the course of three years. Yeah, but PS Five you don't need all day long, right? So you're you're not as willing to do it. Yeah, I get that. You know? I'm just saying it, it sounds like so much. I know, I know, I know. But I like when you think about like the fact that like, you know, you could get a phone for a couple hundred bucks that just doesn't have all the bells and whistles, but you're willing to spend you know twelve hundred bucks or more for mm-hmm. an iPhone. But like 750, because what is it new retail? Like, it's like 500 bucks. 500. So yeah, you're talking about a couple hundred dollar difference. I mean, yeah, that stinks for sure. Uh, but I, I just, yeah, it seems surprising to me that they haven't gotten gotten this figured out yet. I mean, maybe it's still just supply chain issues. I don't know. Nah, it's supply chain issues. Always supply chain issues. All right. I I thought this was interesting in this new story. I had posted this on Instagram, but then what people said after it, led me down a rabbit hole. And so I had posted how like, you know, um, luxury brands are now tapping into the, into the resale market, into the secondary market. Right. So, 
you can put whatever name you want here. You can put Chanel, you put Gucci, you can put coach, whatever you want. So as I read this, just think about these things. So uh, for Oscar De La Renta, the decision to tap into the secondhand space started with the customer themselves sharing stories of discovering their mom's little black dresses from the 80s and the like. Our designs are unique, timeless, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the CEO of Oscar De La Renta said, who explained that the brand, the brand keeps an in-house archive of designs from every collection, right? So, you know, they, they, they start talking to vintage dealers like the real, real and others, uh, to source pieces for their archive. But the company started getting upset because they began to see how poorly the brand was being presented by third parties. Items were misidentified. There was a question of authenticity. All in all, it wasn't the same caliber as a brick and mortar shopping experience that the brand, uh, that the brand took pride in. And so eventually, uh, what ended up happening was that Oscar Laurentia was kind of like saying, Hey, we want to be the only one selling vintage items, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's our brand. It's what we do. Right. And so one company was able to work with them. And so, uh, the luxury label, it began to exercise full brand control, but also took back ownership of items long after they were initially purchased. And through a rigorous authentication and refurbishment process, the brand would be able to ensure a garment to the second or third or fourth life. So basically, they worked with this other company. And in working through this other company, they became like the sole sellers of like vintage, whatever. Now, I'm pretty sure there's plenty of this that gets sold on eBay. The reason I bring this up is, you know, eBay has Vero, right? So Amazon has gating. So like if you want to sell something and the brand doesn't want you selling it, well, you're gated. You can't enter. eBay doesn't have that. eBay has Vero. So if you sell a brand and a certain brand doesn't want you selling that or using certain keywords, they'll pull your listings. And so, you know, I post this and I'm like, ah, you know, there's a shift maybe coming, but I just don't see all these brands getting into this, right? And we know that certain brands like Patagonia uh, has tried to do this and North Face has tried to do this. Uh, but in the end, there is a first sale doctrine that if you buy something, it's yours and you can do with what you want. You can resell it if you want, right? The only exception lately has been that like on Amazon, you can't sell certain items as new because you're also promising the warranty when you do that. And so therefore, Amazon... Uh, if they get a cease and desist, we'll tell you, no, you can't sell it as new. You have to sell it as like new because you can't promise a warranty that came with it from the original uh, provider. Okay. So I thought this was interesting and, and, you know, I just posted this just like heads up. If you're trying to go after luxury brands, like, you know, like the ones I mentioned before, Chanel, Gucci, I don't know, uh, Burberry, all those companies, this might be coming, right? I don't see this happening with like Carhartt or Doc Martens or, the stuff no. that Mike and I love selling. But this was interesting. People had began to post about this thing called the Shop Safe Act of 2021. Like, watch out for this. Like, this is this this is very bad for e-commerce. I never heard of it. I it was new to me, but there is there's a lot being said about it. Uh so a lot of lobbying uh firms are working for like Etsy and OfferUp and Craigslist are lobbying Congress about it. And I thought it was interesting. So let, let me just read to you what the Shop Safe Act is of 2021. So the Shop Safe Act is basically stopping harmful offers on platforms by screening against fakes in e-commerce. I wonder who came up with that acrostic. Like who sat there and said, let's call it this, you know, <laughs> that's some work. So that's a, that's intense. It is intense. I mean, they, they had to start with Shop Safe and then they, they filled it in. You think so? <laughs> <It has to. laughs> okay. All right. 
<laughs> Anyways, uh, so this is from the, the Judiciary uh, Committee of the House. And basically, it's, you know, they say customers may be unknowingly purchasing harmful counterfeit products when they make an online purchase. The problem is growing. So now, they, when they say harmful, they mean harmful to the original company's bottom line. Uh, both. They're saying it's, but it's more harmful to buyers because they're buying counterfeits. But Okay. That makes sense. So counterfeiters have moved online they too. Paid, they paid $40 for Doc Martens and they weren't Doc Martens. So. Correct. Yeah. So the, the Shop Safe Act aims to reduce the availability of harmful counterfeit products by incentivizing online platforms to adopt best practices that will prevent third party sellers from listing counterfeit products for sale. Right. So current law holds direct sellers like brick and mortar stores liable for the sale of counterfeit products. But under current law, platforms that allow third party sellers to sell harmful counterfeit products are often not liable for the sale of those counterfeit products, even when the third party seller is unavailable to remedy damage to a brand owner. So they're saying that like eBay should be responsible for a, so the platform itself should be responsible. Correct. That seems crazy. They're trying to, they're trying to tighten the screws on e-commerce uh, on the platform. Doesn't make any sense at all. All right. Well, anytime the government gets involved. Anyways, yeah. all right. The Shop Safe Act aims to combat the sale of unsafe <laughs> sale of unsafe counterfeit products by incentivizing those unsafe Nike Air Force ones to engage in best practices for screening and vetting sellers and products, addressing repeat counterfeit sellers, and ensuring that consumers have relevant information available to them when they make their online purchases. I mean, I understand the idea of like, okay, like if, if I'm a store and I'm selling Coach or I'm selling Louis Vuitton and I've got 50 Louis Vuitton pieces and like time after time I'm getting negative reviews of like, this is fake. This is fake. All right. If eBay doesn't do anything about that, that makes sense. The idea of a repeat, but like if you walk into a Goodwill, you walk into a Salvation Army, that brick and mortar store, if they sell a something on the rack and they don't know that it's counterfeit, but they're selling it. Cause like, Hey, we found some doc Martins or selling them for 30 bucks and they're fake doc Martins or it's a fake. They're not held responsible. It's not the same thing as like, Hey, they just ordered a shipment of a bunch of fakes and they're planning on selling those. Like those are two different things of like ignorance versus like, you know, the idea of harmful of like actual um, you know, malintent of like I'm trying to sell offload all of this fake counterfeit product that I have. Like there's no way, like, if you accidentally sell a counterfeit, like one, that eBay, the platform, should be responsible, or for two, that like, I don't know, it just seems I don't know. It's a little much. It's a little much. So like, I'm just going to read some of the quick requirements. So what they want is, for example, if you're a third party seller, you have to uh, have a, you know, you have to identify yourself, right? Your principal place of business, contact information of the third party seller, which Amazon, that's why I think Amazon required people to do that. Uh, you have to take reasonable step, steps to identify, to authenticate the goods or in connection with the registered trademark. You have to attest to the platform that the third-party seller has taken reasonable steps to verify the authenticity. So that's where eBay comes in. Uh, let's see. The third-party seller agrees not to use a counterfeit mark in connection with the sale offering for sale. Okay, you agree not to sell counterfeits. Third-party seller consents to the jurisdiction of the U.S. courts with respect to the claims represented to the third-party seller participation. So you agree to get sued or whatever. Um, so to me, it just I'm I'm kind of torn about this. I feel like it's going to be a lot of bureaucracy that's not going to actually do anything, but it's going to cost a lot of oversight. So fees are going to go up. Like this is one of those things that like, it sounds great on paper. Like let's make sure customers don't get fakes. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to have to hire 10 extra people to oversight these companies. Yeah. And these companies are going to have to update their stuff. 
And is it actually going to change the fact that somebody accidentally sold a fake here and there? No, it's not going to change that at all. Now, it might help them find one or two people who are selling like, like they're offloading tons of fakes. It might help there, but I think it's just going to overall increase the fees of... It's one of those things that sounds great on paper. I just can't imagine it happening effectively, cheaply, and, and actually work. Yeah. And so, you know, Etsy actually has like, they've been tracking this and they've been communicating with uh, their sellers. And so, you know, they make the argument, they make a couple arguments because people sell handmade stuff and all that. But I'm going to pass over those because I don't think the majority of people who listen to the podcast don't deal with Etsy in that way. Uh, But they do deal like in vintage stuff. And so the third point they said, uh, it creates a divided front against bad actors. So they said, finally, ShopSafe proposes a framework to quickly shut down counterfeit operations. But instead of encouraging brands and marketplaces to stop bad actors together, it creates a system where anyone can make false or baseless claims. Marketplaces will spend valuable time, like you said, uh, investigating these claims, leaving them fewer resources to protect consumers from real threats. Businesses could even accuse other businesses simply to eliminate competition. It would be the wild, wild west of the digital age. Right. And so I I think I I do believe it's going to be a mess. I've always said... I'm in favor of eBay's gatekeeping. You know how they limit the amount of, you know, listings that you could have, right? You you don't get paid right away. I think all those things have been good things. I know a lot of people are, are against it because, you know, it's so much easier and Mercari and Poshmark. But I think there's something to be said that eBay already has those in place, right? And so, I don't know. I felt that, you know, people had said, hey, we'd like you to discuss and all that. So after looking at it, and I'll put the links down in the description. You can read it. I think if it's passed, I think it could lead to, like Mike said, fees going up. It could lead to a lot of issues. Uh, But overall, I don't know if it's going to cause anything different than what's already happening. Right? Because Amazon has already had to deal with a lot of this. Like, for example, you can't sell Apple products on Amazon. Like, it's very difficult because a lot of counterfeits were being sold. So, anyways, uh, let us know your thoughts on the Shop Safe Act. Am I am I not taking it how, how I should? Should I be more concerned about it? Just 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 wondering. All right. This this next email, we're gonna land here and we're gonna this is gonna be our last uh recently topic because there's a lot. So one of our good listeners. And emailed us. And I, I've personally met this individual, very trustworthy, uh, great person through and through. And, you know, we had we had that one episode where we had mentioned about how, um, you know, everybody gets after like the store that shall not be named for their high prices. And, and the reality is they actually do a lot for the community. Right. And one of the signs I saw when I was in Oklahoma was uh, uh, we sell a lot to provide jobs for many. Right. They were like real about it. Like, this is what we do. And I was like, all right. All right. And again, I'm not here to be, you know, an advocate for uh, for Goodwill. But I thought this was interesting. Let me read. And I'll stop a little bit to hear Mike's commentary. Um, I said, hey, guys, my name is Lala, and I used to be a full time. Uh, no, uh, they're still a full time reseller. Uh, Orlando met me one time. But anyways, wanted to share some context about Good Goodwill uh, with you since they've been in the reseller news topics for the past few episodes. Uh, they worked with the e-commerce department for Goodwill in several locations uh, and actually in even possible management, uh, ultimately leading to the expansion of, uh, you know, California uh, Goodwill, Amazon, Goodwill, Shop Goodwill, and and the EB programs that Goodwill has, right? And so 
And they've been doing this for a while, for like years. So this is this individual had worked back in like the 2010s, you know, late 2000, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008. So they were around. This is a, over a decade ago. And Goodwill is already doing eBay, Amazon, Shop Goodwill and all that. So the whole reason they said that they're sending this email is because there's an enormous amount of misinformation among resellers about Goodwill's greed, right? Greedwill, right? We always hear Greedwill. It's true that Goodwill has a hardcore complex system for cherry picking the best, most profitable donations, either for online or the boutique stores, but nearly all those profits go straight back into supporting Goodwill's many programs, which Mike and I have been saying. Uh, it's actually incredible how intense Goodwill is about being green. All donations are sorted for the highest value, which go to e-commerce. Then the gently used, not trash donations, which don't meet the e-commerce criteria, are filtered out to each region's stores. Then the sort of trashed, but not too bad donations are filtered to the outlet bins. E-sales are sometimes located at the headquarters building near the bins. Everything that's left is sorted for recycling. We have numerous agreements with bulk clothing, paper metals dealers. There's virtually no trash that ends up in the landfill, which makes Goodwill the undisputed leader in being green. In my opinion, I used to think they were just conveniently green. But after years of overseeing operations firsthand, I'm still awestruck by the how ahead of the curve they were. Uh, the organization pioneered the whole concept of turning trash into treasure while also providing work programs, sustainable careers, and assistance for a huge and sadly overlooked labor force, the developmentally and physically disabled. I've had the distinct pleasure of working alongside many of these clients. I think that's the official title for the staff at this level. And it always struck me how much they enjoy the work consistently, mostly of sorting donations to other less skilled tasks. I'll never forget my first day at the Goodwill e as a Goodwill e-commerce uh, supervisor when my uh, person ahead uh, over me gave me a tour and showed me where the visually impaired workers were taking apart electronics and framing the precious metals. My mind was blown. We had a lot of cool programs, but that was next level. On reseller Twitter, all a lot of reseller YouTube videos, all I see is the same Greedwell. How can they charge that much when they get it for free argument? That was a verbatim quote from a recent uh, video. As if Goodwill just exists for resellers to 10x their investment. As you can imagine, the operation is very complex with an insane uh, organization charge to keep all the programs running smoothly. There are literally dozens of different programs that enrich the community every region. But I think the only thing resellers and thrifters see are the few people on the retail floor or the register and a higher than you uh, local hospice price tag, which I think is totally fair because you rarely see garbage on the racks at retail Goodwill. And I'll agree with that. It's not things I like to resell, but it's not trash. Most of the items are in very nice shape. There's no way a Goodwill could write for our community without squeezing the lemon for e-sales. eBay, Amazon, and Shop Goodwill require a lot of staff from transportation, shipping, and beyond. Anyhow, uh, sorry for the long-winded email. I rarely find uh, anything worthwhile when I source at my local uh, Goodwill, but I continually notice that the plenty of other customers find a lot of stuff that I think from their own non-reselling, just shopping their family's perspective, they are happy to get a good deal, even though they probably couldn't flip any of it for real profit. Goodwill is still doing a lot of good. And then, then they said, say its name. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've... I've, you know, the thing is, it's, I, I have a very emotional response when I go into a Goodwill and I see something that I want to resell for like a hundred bucks and they're selling it for 60. Then I'm like, there's no way I'm going to buy it. But the reality is just like most those big chain thrift stores, they are doing something to help others. And I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you think? You think the high prices are uh, justified through all this? 
I think it's tough. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know there's the idea that Goodwill is providing jobs specifically to people who couldn't get jobs in other places. I don't know how how many times that's the case, right? I think I think there may be the the exceptions, but I don't think every single Goodwill employee is somebody who couldn't get a job at another store or another, you know, restaurant or another anything like that. So the idea of like Goodwill's mission is that it provides jobs just like every other company. Right, like every True, company, but they provide less skilled jobs, right, for individuals that may not be able to work the higher skilled jobs. Yeah, but I think a lot of companies do that that aren't necessarily get to be a a tax free nonprofit nonprofit, yeah. right? Because there's okay. a, there's a ton of benefits in being a, a that. So yeah, there there may be like okay, so most of the maybe eighty percent of our employees could easily get a job at any other store, but maybe ten to twenty percent, like okay, that these are employees who it's a less skilled position. We're offering an opportunity for these people who wouldn't be able to get something else. Right. That's, that's a great thing. I'm totally on board with that. But I have friends who have like children who are in the, that boat and I'm, I'm using Kmart as an example because at the time Kmart was around, but I know that after Kmart went bankrupt, like he moved to another company, same thing. Like they hired him. Uh, I worked at Joanne's fabrics and we had like two, to employees that that was the the case like we worked with another organization to help get them we put them in positions mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. the, they help do this and this and this is what they can do so many companies do that right and it's like the the, the idea of like hey goodwill does this thing and it's like you know who else provides jobs like mcdonald's and walmart but a lot of times they're the bad guys in because it's got you know capitalism so i i look at it as like they get to be nonprofit. And yeah, I do think they do a lot of good. I'm not trying to to say like they don't do good. They probably do more good than than some of those other companies, right? So I'm not saying that, but I think that to they get they probably get a lot of bad flack from resellers, and I think they get way too much good press from non-resellers. Ah, okay. I think it's somewhere All in the right. middle. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I I see. I'm landing where you're landing, right? Right. I I agree with you in that sense that. I do think there is, I, I don't, I think exploitation is too strong of a word. Yeah. I don't know what the right word is, but I do think they have taken advantage of the fact that that line works, right? The line of like, Hey, we, we get all these goods, but it's okay that we get them for free because we're providing all this for the community. Right. And the, you know, there are those stories every once in a while that, that they're paying some of these, uh, these individuals that couldn't get, you know, these normal jobs, like not very much money. Right. Or, or taking advantage. Can you imagine like McDonald's going and saying, you know what, we don't want to pay our company taxes this year because we are providing a lot of jobs to people who are having a hard time getting jobs other places. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? They'd be like, wait a minute, you don't get to do that. Like that's nonsense. You're making a ton of money. Well, they're, they're, they're creating their own product. Like, Goodwill, I mean, they, uh, yeah, they have to do the manpower, the service. Same thing as like a reseller. Like I, I'm, I would never downplay that job because they have to sort the stuff. They've got to list the stuff. They've got to put stuff out on the mm-hmm. racks. They've got to deal with the public. All those things are hard things. So it's not like they're not providing a service, but the goods they're getting for free. So like they get to, they get the, the benefit of all of that. They get to be nonprofit. You know that they're making money from donations from other organizations. Mm-hmm. They don't have to pay taxes. Their CEO is making like seven hundred and thirty grand a year, right? Like, which isn't a lot for the size of the company. I'm just throwing it out there. Remember, the reason CEOs get paid a lot is because they take on a lot of risk. They're responsible for a lot. Yeah, I don't know though. Like, what's the market cap of Goodwill 
compared to other CEOs. I, I don't, know. In that. I haven't, I, I don't want to get into So, I mean, yeah, I would just say that, like, yeah. to, to say, like, I don't know if you can make that claim that that's not that much. Like that high of six figures is still a lot. Yeah. Maybe I want to, maybe I don't. I, anyways, I, I don't know. Either way. Not to say that I don't think that they do good. Like, please, our yeah, listener, yeah. like, understand, like, I'm not saying, like I, like I said earlier, I think Goodwill does get maybe too much of a bad rap from a lot of resellers. But again, I think that they get to they get to be the the angels when it's like they're somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And I, I, I see where you're at. I see where you're at. No, I do think I agree with the email. I, I do agree with probably 99% of it. I do think they do a lot of good. I've seen it in the community. I, I, I've also known that the e-commerce thing has been a thing. Like people get so mad about it, but I've always said, just, you got to adapt. Just don't go there anymore. Like I don't go right. I have so much inventory right now and none of it has been sourced from, from Goodwill. Cause I know that Goodwill is not a place for me to make profit anymore. I've chosen to move on. Right. And so, you know, I, I'm okay with that. I, you know, I've, I've mentioned before where, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I used to get really upset because I had connections at a certain store and like, I would always get like the best at the best price. And then as management management changed, they cut me out of the equation. Right. But they have the right to do that. They're a business. They can do what we want. And I also have the option of going, you know what? I'm just not going to shop here anymore. Right. And if they don't want my business, they don't want my business. But, uh, I don't know. I, I think there was a lot put into this cause I, you know, the sustainability part, I, that was pretty impressive. Cause we had mentioned before how like only 1% of like, items that you know uh that need to be recycled to get recycled like 99 percent of other clothes ends up like in the landfills and that sustainability actually in the reselling space is a myth it's a myth that keeps being perpetuated but it's not it's not a real thing right but do do resellers make impact yeah we still make it a one percent impact right but we're there's not enough of us to make a huge lasting impact and i've always said this and uh I kind of laugh because on the on the Discord, <laughs> I call myself the anti-hero of, of reselling. And the reason is because I don't resell for the public good. I, I don't resell to make, and maybe some of you will stop listening after this, but I don't resell to make this world a better place. I resell to provide money in the bank to help my family. That's what I resell for. Well, let's be honest. If everybody was doing that, not necessarily reselling, but if everybody was in their own personal life doing what they had to do to make sure that they could be successful as individuals, how much better would oh, I agree. the world and society be? Oh, I agree. Every, everybody does. You know, um, I don't want to get into Adam Smith, but, you know, the butcher, the, the, the baker, the, the, you know, the, the, the tailor, everybody who does a good job. They don't do it for the satisfaction of the customer. They do it for their paycheck. Right. And so again, you know, it, it's, it's interesting that as resellers, I, I think we can take the stance of like, how dare Goodwill do this, but we do it ourselves. This is what we do. Like we buy stuff and we make profit. Like that's our goal. Now, difference is we're not a nonprofit. Yes, yeah. I get if that. If you got to, if you, if, <laughs> if, if you listed yourself as a nonprofit. Yes, yes, I get, I think that is the one thing that is dividing a, a lot of us. If they were a for-profit, like uh, I think Savers might be a for-profit. I could be wrong. Or uh, some of the other retail chains are for-profit. Then I think it'd be over. I think the discussion's done and then it's like, whatever. But I think that's one thing that's hanging over them. So 
anyways, hey, thank you so much to our awesome listener that sent the email. It gives a, a great discussion to have. So let us know your thoughts on here. I'd be interested. All right. Let's move on to something that will really, really help people out. And I'm not talking about Skullshiver. I'm talking about bolos. Yeah. Are you ready to talk about bolos here? Oh, oh yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> we're ready. So these are going to be some interesting ones. I'm interested in what Mike's going to share here. What's your bolo? All right. So we talked in the past that like, don't buy used helmets. Like used helmets mm -hmm. are because you can't, you can't, you can't sell them. You can't use them like a used bicycle helmet. But you can actually sell. And I almost picked one up one time, a CHP one. It wasn't a, it wasn't a Bell, but it was a C, an old CHP helmet, like motorcycle. California Highway Patrol. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry for those of you who don't know. That's California Highway Patrol. Um, but there, if you, if you go to the solds on eBay, a vintage Bell, and there's other brands too, but mm -hmm. Bell's like a big one, motorcycle helmets. And I'm talking from the 70s. If you get anything from like 70 to like early 80s, we're talking hundreds and hundreds oh, of yeah. dollars, potentially thousands, depending on what year, what year, what model you're getting. So if you're at a garage sale, don't be afraid. If you see, typically I would just, I, I just walk past helmets because it's like, oh, you know, if it's that old, it it legally can't even be used on the road. But I think some people collect them, right? They want the they old. Do. Yes. And so, especially, and I didn't do a lot of research on on all the different years, all the different models. But one of the ways you can tell on a Bell motorcycle helmet. It's got the leather straps. Look on the strap. The year is going to be on the strap. There's going to be other stickers and stuff inside. But on the strap, it's going to have, like if it's a 77, it's going to say 77 on the strap. So look on the strap. If you are if you happen to be at a garage sale and you find one, if it's like the cloth, I think if it's like the nylon, then you know it's not that old. If you see one that's got like that leather strap, it's like, okay, this potentially could be vintage. And if you see something like 72, 74, 75, pick it up because there's a really good chance even dinged up messed up because people aren't getting them to wear because legally you can't wear them they're not they're not highway legal anymore but people collect them so uh yeah definitely check it out be on the lookout normally i just walk right past helmets now i'm going to be doing a second glance i think you can list in a certain way that yeah. it's like collectible or right. display only so so yeah check those out now along the lines with yours uh i've had and I, I, i've you know shared some of these before is that memorabilia from old trucking companies right like vintage like they don't have to be out of business right so you know i i the two ones i'm thinking about right now are peterbilt and freightliner and i find that their memorabilia sells well if it's vintage right something current doesn't matter right but you know a lot of us think about like harley davidson or we think about like corvette or we think about you know nascar stuff we've mentioned before but like this, the whole like trucking industry also has like a following, mm. right? They, there's, there's actually some old companies that no longer exist that, you know, even like simple things like a, a safety award or something could sell for good money. Mm. Right. And so, so just think about like the old trunky companies. I remember one time I bought a lot of three Peterbilt buckles for like 20 bucks and I sold each of the buckles for 50 to 60 bucks a piece. Right. Uh, Freightliner. I've sold some of their hats or some of their, you know, memorabilia for good money. So just just keep an eye. Uh, don't dismiss it because it's very easy to dismiss, you know, especially if, you know, you're not into trucking. You don't know anything about trucking. Uh, but, you know, I always say if, if it's vintage, it's at least worth a, a quick look up on eBay. So check it out. So that is our bolos. Now, another thing to have a quick bolo on, which was really helpful to me on my trip was 
the skull shaver. Man, I shaved at 0% for like five minutes and it was still gone. And you ran that battery down. It's, but the battery it takes a while to get there. It does. It does. And obviously I had to recharge it, but uh, skullshaver.com gives us that smooth look that we have on the podcast. And so if you're interested in, in getting that smooth look, whether it's time or whether you just, you know, you want to look as smooth as us, go to skullshaver.com. Use our promo code hustle with a capital H. You'll get a special discount. You'll help yourself and you'll help us out. So skullshaver.com. All right. I just sold the Hot Wheels. I just wanted to announce that. Nice. Good job. A T-Rex. Proud of you. Only $15 though. Sad. I'm less proud of you. Okay. <laughs> All right. But a sale is a sale. All right. What are you looking forward to? Just a listing. I'm looking forward to testing and listing those cameras. I think I'm also going to list them locally. Um, maybe for a little bit less than eBay. Because again, if I'm not having to deal with the shipping and mm. and the, uh, the, the fees and all of that, it might be worth it. I, I'm sure they'll go on eBay before they go local, but it never hurts, right? It never hurts to just have them up on offer up. I don't know whether to lot all three of them together, or do them separate. I might, might do both. Um, but who knows? Like I might end up getting an offer on them and then just pulling it off of eBay. And the nice thing with something like offer up is if it sells on eBay, just delete it off offer up. And if you forget to delete it off offer up, then, uh, you know, someone says, Hey, is this still available? You just say no. And then you're done. It's not like they buy it. So as long as you're- I will say, I I'll admit, I'll do this at thrift stores. I'll see something that I'm like, maybe I could sell this on offer up. I'll take a picture and I'll just take it there and I'll post it. And if I forget that I listed it, I just say, no, it's not available anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're hoping that it'll sell by the time you leave the store. Correct. Or that you might have to go back. Like if it's a big enough sale. Yeah. If it's a big, no. Yeah. If it's a big item, well, it's only on the iffy items. Right. I'm like, you know, one time I found a huge teenage teenage mutant ninja turtles like statue. I'm like, oh, maybe this will sell pretty quick. It didn't. But you know, it's all good. There you go. All right, what are you looking forward to? Uh man. So I'm still working on my taxes. That's the worst. I did get my extension approved. Uh yeah, but you know, that's always fun. Um I'm looking forward to getting the 3,500 listings. Maybe I'll have a different report. I'm looking forward to the one night auction happening tonight at eight o'clock Pacific standard time. And uh, I'm going to be traveling a little bit. I'm going to go see some family and stuff up in the Bay area. Uh, And so I'm looking forward to doing some sourcing out there. Uh, I do. I, some people do message me and they say they want to meet up. So this, this, this actually trip is just very much like, family focused trip. I'm just, I'm not really, I might source a couple of times, but, uh, I'm with my boy boys and so on. And so I'm going to do all the tourist things while I'm out there. And, uh, but you know, I do, there's certain stores I like up there in the Bay area that, uh, I do really well on. So we'll see if that happens again. So I'm looking forward to that. So, all right. I know we talked a lot on this episode, hopefully get you some things to think about, or at least some helpful tips, or at least kept you entertained. Uh, and with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Late. Peace.